Day, everyone, and I'm happy to be speaking with you via the podcast. Yeah, I started the morning out with a workout over at Rock Body with my trainer Ola, and uh, it was one of those mornings I woke up and I wasn't quite feeling it. And I was thinking, oh man, I don't want to get in today. I'm not really feeling great about this, but uh, you know, you got to do it. So went in there, you know, got through the workout. Ola kind of switched it up, so was doing just a lot of like body weight exercises. Uh, just some cardio type things, uh, jogging in place, jump rope, this, that, and the other, some ab work. So he always mixes it up, you know, had a, my, uh, like shoulder, the, the back part of my shoulder, I think I've got a bit of a knot, you know, the muscles all knotted up and, uh, it's a long week of sitting You're doing a lot of editing work and, uh, just freelance work sitting behind a computer in a, in a chair. Did get some spinning in on Thursday night, which was great. And I think I just, you know, the tightness of, sitting behind a desk, muscles getting knotted up, just didn't feel great. So, uh, you know, Ola mixed the workout up and, uh, you know, now I'm feeling great. Now I'm feeling really good about it. So yeah, I'll have to get over to the first capital chiropractic and get a massage, get that, get that muscle unknotted. But, uh, today I'm, it's a great episode of the podcast and talking with entrepreneur and skincare expert, Julie Longyear and Julie, uh, she's been a longtime friend, have had, a uh, you know, many great conversations with her over the years, and I'm really happy to have recorded this one. So it's just another amazing person that I've had the privilege of meeting, and now I'm, you know, bringing, uh, you know, bringing her into the fold of, of the podcast and to introduce her to all of you. So check her out, Blasoma, um, Blasoma.com. You know, I'll have the link on the uh, on the show page. So, you know, come in there, check it out. There'll be some other links. She has uh, some great information, so I want to share that to you. And a little thing that a lot of us don't know, and something I've heard, you know, years ago, and I had to relook it up just to confirm the the knowledge. But uh, our skin skin is the uh, is our largest organ in our body, and a lot of times we don't think of that because we think of organs as being internal. And uh, but our skin is so important, you know, protects everything else, and we need to keep that in the best condition as possible. And Julie's products allow us to do that, and they're all natural. And that's the thing. We don't think about uh, the things we put on our skin. Skin being the outer layer, you don't think about uh, how absorbent it is. You know, whether it be chlorine in the water or getting in a chlorine-type pool or a sauna, uh, whether it be the uh, chemical-induced products through, through lotions or soaps that we put in our body that it absorbs, and then it just affects our endocrine system and other, you know, other, other internal organs. So very important. So Julie is, you know, she has some great tips about that. She has some great tips about 
is going all natural and great tips about being an entrepreneur and what you need to do, the perseverance that it takes. And we talk about entrepreneurs, you know, Kevin Blumenkamp is a good buddy of mine who's, you know, craftsman, maybe more of an artist. You know, really an entrepreneur is someone that's doing their own thing. They're, you know, making a living with their art, with their their own business and not punching a clock, the nine to five thing. And entrepreneurs often are working more hours than that 40 hours a week. So you think, hey, I have this freedom, but... You know, you really, when you're passionate about something, it doesn't seem like work. And that's that's what Julie will talk about. And I know a lot of you, uh, you may feel this way or, you know, maybe something you're thinking like, why, why do a job that is, you know, that's all-consuming? But when it's your lifestyle, it's really not that big of a deal. So, yeah, Kevin, you know, it's been a, you know, longtime supporter of the show and, um, you know, does, does amazing work with metal. You know, I've talked about it before need to get some more examples. We'll want to bring him on at some point and chat with him about his process. You know, it's really fascinating, uh, just that kind of work, just that organic work. And we talk about, you know, working with our hands, utilizing, you know, just very earthy. So, you know, really excited about the work that when, when he sends me a picture of a new piece or shares share some knowledge of something that is working on. So Kevin can customize, you know, anything jewelry related metal related just uh, an amazing craftsman uh, if you need something you know check out the link on the show page his number will be on here as well much easier just to go there than uh than try to remember it or try to find out where i'm talking about it in the podcast so check that out and um dale's music as well i've talked about dale's many times uh next week or the in an upcoming podcast you're going to hear from ronnie and tiffany notch ronnie Music producer started a program called Notes for Life, which is uh, an educational program for for high school kids, some grade school kids, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, that teaches digital music. Really, really cool program that I've been volunteering with. And uh, Ronnie had his start in music from Dale's, and uh, you'll hear him talk about that. And uh, check out Dale's. If you have a, a child who's wanting to learn music or if you want to learn some music yourself, there's there's no age restriction on it. Uh, you could be a retired school teacher who wants to learn a musical instrument, and Dale's would be the place for you. If you need your instruments fixed, uh, any repairs, if you just need good advice, Dale's Music in uh, North St. Louis County is the place for you to go. Uh, once again, check the show page. There will be links there. Also, I need to get my website updated with uh, the new podcast. been kind of busy with freelance, no no excuse. You can find the podcast many places. SoundCloud is uh, is the origination point, but it's also on iTunes, also on Google Play, Stitcher. Um, you know, search Conversations for Calcaterra, and it will pop up. So check it out. KenCalcaterra.com is where you can find me, as well as uh, various social media places. So I'm really honored to bring to you this wonderful entrepreneur who is using plants to create amazing products in the cosmetic and skin care world. I don't use the cosmetics myself, but definitely know how important it is to keep the skin healthy and, uh, yeah, do that as best as I can. So here she is, the wonderful, amazing Julie Longyear. Welcome, Julie. Hi there. So how are, uh, how are things in the business world? Oh, they're always busy, as you might imagine. Um, there's always something to do. Anytime you're an entrepreneur, you can always make up more work for yourself, even when nobody else has given it to you. So, in fact, you have to. So Yeah, the fun good. thing about being an entrepreneur, you give up a 40-hour-a-week job to work 
like a 90 hour a week job so at times at times i've been doing better lately about making more time for myself for more personal things just because it can get a little unbalanced when you've been doing this for more than a decade at this point which i have been uh you have to settle into some healthier routines or else you'll drive yourself into the ground but there are moments when you still have to push pretty darn hard oh definitely and so nine years you've been working nine years with Blusoma. Well, so we've been at it over a decade now. Um, So basically, it depends on how you count. Uh, People ask, you know, when did you get started? And it depends on like what you consider starting. I started working with aromatherapy, so essential oils and blending um, different therapeutic aroma blends for, you know, mood lifting and stress reduction and things like that back in 2001 as a little candle line. And then uh, I didn't quit my part-time job, though, until about 2003, and then the actual brand was trademarked in 2006. So it was a gradual evolution into um, what people now know as Blasoma. And I, I think that's a misnomer. A lot of people see the overnight success or see, all right, now I have this, and like it's just a snap of the finger when really it's like all this these building blocks. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people talk about it, how it's more of a marathon than a sprint. And Absolutely. Um, I talked to a guy named Coco Vinny recently, and he was talking about, yeah, looking at the long term mm-hmm. and, and not looking at it to be a couple years, it may be 10 years, having that like that five, seven, and 10-year plan. Mm-hmm. Did you have all that? Did you you sketch it all out, have that business plan, know where you're going to be in, in a certain period of time? Uh, at the very beginning, not as much, honestly. I, I had ideas of what I wanted to do. I definitely saw a spot in the marketplace for what I wanted to produce and provide to people, which was a cleaner, uh, more authentic, higher integrity level of product than I was seeing available in stores, but I had not come from a consumer products background and I honestly really didn't know what I was getting into. I had come from the art world and had been making custom clothing for people in large part and selling, you know, one-off pieces of sculpture or things like that, which is a very different type of business than selling a, you know, mass-produced consumer good. And so there was a lot of hard knock type education that happened you know trying things and having it go wrong and if we had had a plan you know like a really well written out plan in the very beginning we would have had to scrap it pretty much immediately because I mean we we figured out we just didn't know what we were doing and so that first couple years we really just kind of bumbled around and my dad was helping me start the business so he helped me with some of the legal aspects of startup that I didn't necessarily know how to do at that point and that kind of cleared those blockages for me so that I could concentrate on the more creative aspects of the business and you know as we as we moved along I definitely did start to work on a plan and we worked out some you know cost spreadsheets where we could project out you know, okay, what sales level do we need to be at to be actually making money? You know, if our expenses are this, then, you know, when do we actually start to be profitable? How are our materials costs and labor costs and everything affecting things? And uh, I did actually need that a business plan. And I, I rewrote it when I applied for an SBA loan in like 2008, 2009 and was able to get that and that's actually what launched our skincare line was that SBA loan and they require a business plan as part of that but even that plan at that time you know was definitely ambitious 
And I cannot say that our sales actually ended up reflecting the numbers that we had put into the plan and not that we wouldn't have liked them to. It's just, you know, some things (laughs) you can control and some things you can't. So, (laughs) yeah, different things with the economy affected, how, you know, where people are with their personal spending, that um, that expendable income, Mm -hmm. even though when when we look at our health care, skin care, different things that keep us keep us healthy we don't always think okay well i can i can spend this amount on such product or i can be a little healthier and spend this it seems like it's it's just too easy to get the you know the less expensive product and have you convenience have a little more of that income and and i guess the the big thing for people to to know that maybe starting businesses is looking at it like that's a it's kind of like the constitution it's supposed to be like this flexible type document Mm-hmm. So it'll change. You'll you'll keep making adjustments as you go and as you learn things. Um, yeah, yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's it's more of an idea yeah. than than it is a true plan, in my opinion. I think very few people end up actually sticking to a business plan as a plan. Uh, I think the more important part is an actual marketing plan. Like that's that's the portion of it that you need to have mapped out more specifically. You know, communication ideas wise, like who you're going to reach how you're going to do that. You can't always control what you get back in income, but you can control the actions that you take to try and get there. So you need to know what you're going to do to start off with and then how people react is up to them, essentially. Yeah, knowing that demographic, that psychographic, and just knowing your customer or where to target, you know, Mm -hmm. starting at a Maybe not not really niche, but starting at a small segmented audience, really hitting that hard and then building from there. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of other factors, too. Like for the business that I was in, my initial plan was to be sold through Whole Foods. And so my skincare line was designed at the time to fit in a certain amount of shelf space there. And the packaging was made to be distinct from other lines that they were carrying at the time. I had those relationships in place. But realistically, we only ended up working with them for maybe like a year and a half, two years, um, because their corporate culture was changing so much that it just didn't end up being a good environment for us to move enough product. And you can't control what a corporate buyer decides to do or not do. And one of the things that I definitely came to after that experience was that I wanted to have more control over my own sales base. And the internet really gives people that possibility. So you can form those direct relationships with clients and really get that real-time feedback, have those conversations, find out what people actually want. It's a much stronger position, I think, for a lot of independent businesses than just trying to go go big, if you will, and go wholesale where a buyer is in charge of deciding whether you have market access or not. Uh, the internet really makes it possible for you to decide that you have market mm-hmm. access. And looking at your website, it looks like you're in a number of spas throughout the throughout the country, at least, if not the world. I saw Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, Florida. There's just you know it was a it was a long list. And is that something that you built just one by one, contacting people directly, seeing what their needs are, what the needs of their customers are? Yeah, it, we transitioned from we used to work more in the natural foods industry, as I was mentioning, and once we decided that we were not going to work with Whole Foods and other natural foods businesses anymore because it just wasn't working for us. We decided to deliberately head into the spa and esthetician market. 
But since our line had not been initially concepted for that, there were some transitions to make before we could really make that work fully. So we spent a few years mostly working on direct internet sales. And then like through that process, we started to build up having more recipes because estheticians need more products in the range to be able to offer more customized treatments for clients. So initially our, our collection was too small, too compact and learning more about their industry because that was a whole new world for me. Like what do those clients want, their priorities, uh, price points that they care about, ingredients that they care about, all of that. How can we service them better? And so that took several years and we do reach out, um, I would say right now our wholesale process is pretty passive compared to a lot of companies. We right now don't have anybody but me in charge of the wholesale sales. So it's kind of a pull model rather than a push model where we use the website to attract clients and try to make it clear that we have uh, packages for estheticians and back bar products and things like that that are going to be of benefit to them. And then they usually send us an email because there's thousands of independent estheticians out there. And so finding them all becomes challenging. So really the, the internet is one of the best ways to do that. A lot of the spas that we work with are smaller, more independent spas that are like more boutique oriented and have taken a more progressive stance. The main bulk of the spa industry, I would say, has still not transitioned to more holistic or natural methods. Um, there are some that are moving more that direction, but I think a lot of the independent estheticians are really leading that charge because they're less afraid to change their business model and try something different. And they're seeing it as an available market niche where they can um, individualize themselves and offer something that people are not getting from some of the bigger mm -hmm. businesses. So it's a gradual process building that industry, mm -hmm. that direction away from things like peels and more aggressive treatments into options that are more nurturing to the skin, more regenerative, that don't damage it. Um, it's a different philosophy. So you kind of have to transition people over to a new ideology of course. as they move that direction. Yeah. Have, have you, do you use Instagram? We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that, and that's that's kind of the the hot trend right now is direct messaging through Instagram, and mm -hmm. you can you put in a hashtag, find out like esthetician or skincare or something like that, and then find those people that are doing that or like holistic, and then uh, just direct messaging and you know offering a product or how you can help them, and you know mm -hmm. that's a that's a good way to start a relationship. So mm -hmm. good tool. I yeah. mean, there's so many out there right now, but I think that's like that the hot thing. Mm -hmm. that I've been reading about and just, just different things that are popping up and some of the research that I do as far as marketing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to take a look at that. But why is it important for, you know, taking care of our skin and what we put on our skin? Well, your skin absorbs more than people realize it does. Uh, people tend to think of your skin as being like a shield, a separate thing that's protecting you and um, that it's unaffected by what you put on it. But realistically... And, and depending genetically on the person, it can be more ab absorbent or less absorbent, but uh, you do take in some of the compounds that go 
onto your skin into the rest of your body. Uh, it's how transdermal drugs work. So a lot of people, um, one of the ladies that I used to work with said it, the light bulb really went on for her when she started doing hormone replacement therapy and was using a patch to deliver the hormones through her skin and all of a sudden realized, holy moly, if I am putting this little patch on my skin and that's delivering all the hormones that I need to alter my body's functions enough that it's making a substantial difference in my how I feel every day, then what is the rest of the stuff that I'm putting on me doing to me? And a lot of times people do have that type of a moment where all of a sudden it starts to make sense to them. Like maybe they don't, they, they just haven't put two and two together or they don't have a reason to care as much. Pregnancy tends to be another one of those moments when women especially will go, whoa, what am I putting on myself? You know, everything starts to matter because you have this other life to care about. And, uh, um, or possibly, you know, sometimes people will get a, a cancer and, and have to deal with the effects of that. And if they're lucky, their doctor will have a conversation with them. Like there are a few progressive doctors out there that are starting to recognize that um, hormonally based compounds in personal care products can leach into the body and um, affect your endocrine system and um, your hormone balances and, and have effects on hormonally influenced cancers. So cleaning up that lifestyle becomes part of treatment then, or potentially they've had cancer and the chemotherapy has made them ultra sensitive to different chemical compounds that they didn't previously used to have sensitivities to. So there's all kinds of things that make people start to be more aware of what they're interacting with. Um, it does, it, unfortunately, it does a lot of times take something like that. Every once in a while, people are more ready to accept that kind of an idea. Um, maybe they're just ecologically based. Maybe they're already into organic food and they're already thinking about what they're putting in their body. And so it's a more natural transition. But lots of times there does have to be kind of that more major moment where the light bulb goes on. Yeah, it's like hitting rock bottom. You know, <clears throat> people that are dealing with certain issues, like until you hit that rock bottom or you have that other issue, mm -hmm. that really opens your eyes. Yeah, it gives you a reason to change. And yeah, and then we tend to forget. It's uh, somebody I, I was just listening to and I'm terrible at remembering qu quotes and everything, but it was... It's like when you're being, he said something along the lines, when you're being, you have a police car behind you or you're getting pulled over speeding or whether or not you're speeding. But when you have that police car behind you, you're more conscious about your speed. But then when the police car moves off and whatnot, then later on you kind of forget about that. And then you're, you're driving mm -hmm. the regular way instead of being more conscious about, about your actions. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that with the cancer or some other kind of health issue that you you really focused on it at that moment. And then the more that situation, you know, the more time that passes, then it's kind of just back to not really paying attention. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just don't realize the lack of consumer protection that's built into the personal care market as a whole. Um, and even just the consumer goods market, if you know, you could say household cleaners and other products like that as well. Uh, I think there's a general assumption that people have that if it's sold in a store, it must be safe. Um, certainly, you know, people would think certainly these things must be tested, right? And, and that, uh, you know, that there's someone looking out for them, uh, you know, consumer safety wise. And that's really not the case. The FDA is surprisingly toothless when it comes to cosmetic products in particular. Drugs, they have a lot more sway over. But cosmetic products are not regulated like drugs. They um, 
the, the FDA can't even force a recall of a product. They can only recommend one. They can oversee a recall, but they can't force one. And so even if a product is having really detrimental effects on people, the only incentive that companies have to remove something from the market is the potential of a lawsuit. And um, sometimes that's enough incentive and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's easier to just make the money ahead of time and apologize later. And the way the market's currently set up, that's often the case. So people don't realize that there are preservatives and other compounds that are going into the products that they're using that are not fully safety tested. They really have no data um, to say whether or not this is good for long-term human health or not. And especially when you start to consider that you're applying, some women are, are applying over 150 chemicals in a single morning routine. And the effects of those multitudes of chemicals and the minute ways they interact with each other in the body, no one has studied that because it's too complicated to, to do so in a replicatable way right now. Um, everybody's bodies is, are so different. And when you have that many compounds, usually you're studying one in isolation. But oftentimes when you combine things, they become much, there's a multiplier effect and they become much more potent than they would be just by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the, the concern is not like a single day of use. The concern is the fact that low levels of these compounds are leaching into the body on a daily basis so that you have elevated levels of things that your body is really not built to accommodate. These are things that, you know, in, in pioneer days or, you know, cave days, many, you know, thousands of years ago, we would have never come in contact with. They're totally new compounds that only have been developed in the last, you know, year to 50 years. And um, sometimes those things aren't really friendly to our systems. You know, sometimes things can be pretty benign, but other times not so much. Yeah. And we just don't have the data really yet. Um, some things we do. I mean, some things we do know sink into the body and alter hormone function and or just give people skin rashes or other issues like that. And uh, but other things we really we really have no idea. And companies are coming out with new compounds all the time, all the time. And because like there's you know, somebody might want a new texture to a product or a new scent or, you know, some other consumer attribute that is going to sell well. And the, the focus is really on sales, um, not on safety. Yeah. When you look at, you said 50 years, so we're looking at roughly, you know, 19, around the late 60s when plastic started mm-hmm. really coming in. And you find that in a lot of this makeup, there's a lot of like plastic compounds or chemical compounds that are... There's definitely a lot of petroleum-based family. compounds. Yeah, gotcha. Um I would say the the ones that are most troubling are the hormone disruptors. So like triclosan, which was in a lot of antibacterial soaps, has just actually been taken off the market uh, because the FDA has determined that, you know, you can't label something as an antibacterial soap. It's not doing enough good. It's actually showing up in our water systems. It can cause, you know, hermaphroditic fish and amphibians and things like that. So it can actually change how genetics are expressed in aquatic life. Um, Exposure to compounds like phthalates has actually been known to cause uh, male penises to be shorter in utero. So like if a pregnant mother, um, human mother, is 
um, encountering a lot of phthalates, which are in their plasticizing compounds, and they're also scent extenders. So they're in a lot of commercial fragrances, mm-hmm. um, laundry detergents, dish detergents, um, you know, air fresheners, things like that, where they want the scent to stay a long time. They're also in nail polishes, um, shower curtains, things like that. But a, a lot of women encounter them most through fragrances. Those can actually cause um, like gender changes, sexual changes with male fetuses that are, like make them more feminized. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's not something that's really in question. It's It's been studied at this point so the fact that these things are still in products and that people are still you know going along happily using them not realizing that they are potentially causing long-term damage Mm -hmm. to their children and um, their future generations is um, to me troubling and I wish more people knew um, but it's just not something that gets discussed because I mean it's not a it's not a cute sales pitch and I mean these companies have no reason to change because it's not something that we've legislated against in this country. And sometimes cleaner versions of products, like a, a company might make one version of a product to sell here yeah, in the United yep. States and then another version to sell in Europe or another version exactly. to sell in Japan because they have tighter consumer protection mm-hmm. laws. And they're still making money in those markets. With right, exactly. Product. It's not like yeah. it's not profitable to be safe. They're it's just making, totally profitable They're just to making more profit in the United because States. Because they can use the yeah. cheaper ingredients here. Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's just looking at just uh, as far as puberty. And just looking at how now you look at maybe like 11 or 12 year old girls are going through puberty and boy, you know, it's just everything is completely thrown off our, our systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, then there's a number of things that you could, you know, potentially point at use of antibiotics, um, both for food production and in people. Because um, <clears throat> like those will throw off your gut bacteria, which do all kinds of that. There's this whole slew of effects that that can have over a lifetime. Um, and then you've got hormonal compounds in milk and meat um, that are used to make the animals grow faster. Um, but I mean, stuff is even starting to leach into the soil to where you can be coming in contact with antibiotics just eating vegetables these days because when the animal's waste yeah. is like released oftentimes it's it seeps into local waterways uh-huh. and streams there's antibiotic content in there and then that gets into a farmer's soil where he's just growing vegetables and didn't apply anything to it so like we're coming in contact with all kinds of wacky compounds these days that we didn't directly apply to something mm-hmm. but are in the environment to such a degree that there's almost no way to avoid them yeah and how are these compounds these different compounds mixing in the water supply and what mm-hmm. is that doing and it's just wow Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's extensive. The The effects of not farming sustainably and not considering the long-term effects of what we produce, what we dispose, are, um, are pretty great. Mm-hmm. And um, it would be good for more people to start paying more attention to that. Um, yeah, it's just so hard. You know, everybody's... That information is not commonplace. You have to really look for it. it. It's starting to become more with the Internet, I believe. It's in Facebook and things like that. More of this knowledge is coming out there. Mm-hmm. But to change that, to, to change the habits that we have, mm-hmm. it's just too easy to go to your, your local grocer and pick up, you know, this such and such bottle of shampoo or this kind of soap. Where, I mean, I just, I'll go to Whole Foods by their brand, which has a lot of less 
uh, phthalates and sulfates and things like that. It, mm-hmm. may, it may not be the best, but it's, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Right. And people, um, they don't, it, you really shouldn't have to have a chemistry degree just in order to go shopping for soap, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, <laughs> that would be ideal. Uh, I mean, how can you keep up with that? I have, to, I have to know this for my job, this and that. I have to know this for this. And it's just, yeah, it's so difficult to keep up with everything that's out there. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know who you can trust. Um, there have been companies out there that have marketed, marketed themselves as safe or organic and then ended up it's been that they were lying about yeah, it's a what buzzword. was on their ingredient yeah, That's labels. what Coco Veni was talking about. It's mm-hmm. just like they're talking about sustainability, but that's just a, a buzzword they're throwing out. Right. You really have to, uh, basically, if you want to make sure of what you're using and consuming, you have to do a lot of research and there's just no way around it because there are so few other protections available. Mm-hmm. And um, even like ingredients labels, no one in the government or any other agency double checks a company's ingredients labels as compared to what is in the bottle before they send it out. So it can be a completely wrong ingredients Mm -hmm. label. They're required to put an ingredients label on there, but it can be a total lie. And I've seen that actually happen. There was a company that was doing direct sales. So it was a multi-level marketing company. Um, And just, just in case I'm not going to bring up the brand name, but after they had they had become like a forty million dollar a year company mm-hmm. or something like that, they had thousands of home party sales reps, and they were selling as organic. Their prices were extremely affordable, which was very attractive to customers because they felt like finally I can afford something that's organic and clean for my family. Yeah, yeah. And they really played on that. And then there was a huge scandal where it turned out that one of their products. Uh, was analyzed by a lab, like a customer got suspicious, like how is this possible and sent it out for analysis. And basically between the ingredients label and what the product actually was, there like wasn't even close to what was in there. And the company tried to claim, basically it caused them to have to like change ownership, almost shut down. Um, But they tried to slant it as that the lab did this to them <laughs> they had no idea you know that that the lab was the one that was at fault and that's such a load of hooey because <laughs> when you are running a 40 million dollar a year company or something on that scale you are responsible for knowing what's going in your products sure and if you aren't then you have no integrity you know you need to be calling that supplier and making sure that they're actually putting in and that's the other thing is like the the number of co-packers that are available most companies don't even make their own products anymore they send it out to um, what's known as a co-packer which is basically a manufacturing facility that will do batches of product for any number of companies so they send the recipe and the ingredients over and then the company uses their production equipment to produce it or potentially they buy the ingredients Mm -hmm. in and produce it and then sell you the base formulation and maybe you customize it a little bit and that detachment allows brands to claim lack of responsibility for what goes in the bottle versus what's on the label oh they told us that that this was a different recipe well you should be going and checking and and interviewing and that's one reason that we actually house our production in our studio so that we can control what's going into each product because i don't trust a lot of bigger companies like that they are looking to cut corners when the focus is on profitability and not 
the wellness of people, you're going to get shady decisions like that getting made. And that's not what I'm willing to represent to my customer base. So um, I want people to be able to come and see how their products are being made, what they're being made from. They can literally look at the things on the shelf, you know, see the herbs infusing in our studio and know that that's literally what's going in the bottle that's going on their face. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. And your space is beautiful. I've been there a few times. Uh, your grand opening party was amazing. So yeah, it's a, Thanks. Yeah, it's such a great spot to go to. And for <laughs> anyone that is interested in these type of products, that's it's a place to check out, get more information from you. That's fantastic to have that resource for, you know, people in the Midwest where we're sometimes slow adopters to these kind of things. We're on the coast, or definitely in California, people are more up on these issues and pay more attention to it. But what's a resource that someone can find on the internet to kind of compare products or look at what's in there? Is is there many, uh, you know, many watchdog type groups out there with that, that provide that? So there's, there's a couple of different, um, there's an app and there's a, there's a website where you can go and look up things in a database. Personally, I have mixed feelings as as someone that's it is into chemistry, I have mixed feelings about a lot of them, um, just because they're not necessarily super accurate in a lot of cases. Um, to the point where, like the so the Environmental Working Group has a database called Skin Deep. It can be okay for individual ingredient research, but I don't usually recommend it for uh, for product research because they give ingredients a a number rating for safety wise and sometimes those are skewed a little bit um and untested compounds if there's a data gap and they have no data at all they'll rate it a zero which is their lowest rating and that's i don't feel like super responsible because if there's no data then we have no idea how safe it is and yet they're giving it their safest number so that I think can cause some problems for people shopping. It almost incentivizes companies mm-hmm. to come up with new untested compounds and then, you know, so that they can game the system. There's there's another <laughs> app as well that rates products. I think the best bet is to if you, you know, find a producer that you are feeling, you know, interested in, call the company up and ask them a bunch of questions. If they're on the up and up, they should be okay with answering them. And definitely my preference is to look for more plant-based ingredients. It is possible to find actually certified organic personal care products out there. They're going to be a little bit more basic usually than products that are, are going to be um, more like the texture and feel that people would think of when they think of like a high-end you know, mm-hmm. lotion or cream or whatever. It's, it's hard to do that and qualify for full USDA organic certification. But there are, you know oil blends and you know whipped shea butters and things like that out there that you can get pretty basic and use something that's very clean and food grade and be perfectly fine you know depending on your skin type and and what you like in a product Um, and there are some european certification systems and there are even some american cosmetic certification systems um that people can look for those seals on products. So Cosmobio is uh, one that's a European organic certification. And then there's a few other uh, American ones, and I can potentially send you links to those as well. I just need to go back and like look at my list. Yes, send those to me, and I'll put them on our 
on the show page, mm-hmm. you know, for this particular one. And yeah, it's just good to have those resources and talk to people who are knowledgeable and who've done some research because it's just so hard to keep up. Mm-hmm. Just crazy. I bought my dad some, because uh, he gets dry skin during winter time with the heater running and all that. Mm-hmm. And so I bought him uh, like a hemp lotion and like a hemp uh, skincare kit for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I haven't talked to him to see how he's liking it or if he's used it. You know, those kind of deals you buy your parents something for or buy family members something that's health conscious. And then you you look and it's sort of like, oh, we haven't even used that. So give it back. <laughs> I'm going to use it. But yeah. that, now he's, he's fairly conscious. You know, I mean, I think you've met him a few times, but, uh, you know, he follows some things. But once again, it's getting those habits. Yeah. Getting people out of their um, out of the rut that they've been in for some time or getting them to trust something new that you know, you're introducing them to, that's always a process. And even for us introducing our product line to people, it's a long trust generation product process. So we start with, you know, hopefully just getting them to stick around our social media pages and, you know, read some posts mm-hmm. and then maybe they join our email list or maybe they try a sample and then maybe they try a product. And the, the strongest is when it is person to person, but sometimes like parents don't necessarily try the things that their kids sure, sure. He was pretty <laughs> tell them to do. He was because... pretty jazzed about it, though. So oh, that's good. I'll have to talk to him later and see what he thinks. Yeah, but, I made uh, like a whipped body butter for most of my family members for Christmas this year. So hopefully they're using theirs. It was a little side project yeah. for me that I, nice. I did that. So yeah, I'm I did, always giving people stuff. Yeah, I did that for my mom a few years ago. I bought all the ingredients and then we made it together. Mm-hmm. So I had my own jar and it lasted a while. It was great. Mm-hmm. So it was just, uh, you know, better than, because I had some cocoa butter that was bought and you could really tell the difference from just the the fragrance and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of course, you know, we could have put, you know, at that time I didn't know as much. I'm, I'm just starting to really get into essential oils. Mm-hmm. But at that point we just made it, didn't put any, any kind of essential oils for, you know, any kind of fragrance or anything, but it was just it was a great body butter. Mm-hmm. So I have to have to make that again. That was kind of fun. Yeah, it doesn't have to be super mystical. I mean, it used to be people would uh, make most of their own personal care needs. You know, you'd make your own soap or you'd, you know, maybe use a little bit of a like oil blend or whatever. It it doesn't have to be crazy technological in order to give you a decent result. And I think that people getting more in touch with some of those basics and being willing to DIY a little bit can be really rewarding. Um, it's fresher that way. You know what's in it. Uh, you gain that knowledge and it, it's fun. Definitely. Yeah. It's making the time to do it and, and making it fun and realizing that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just like looking at somehow we get to the point where just look at potato chips now. You look at every kind of flavor. Oh, avocado potato chip, this. Um, Snickers flavored potato chip. And it's like, yeah, do you really need that? So it's always <laughs> it's always like coming up with new ways. All right, we have to have this new product because we have to have this certain amount of growth. Mm-hmm. You know, next quarter we have to have this exponential growth mm-hmm. instead of just maintaining market share. So it's, it's more like, like entertainment than it is like, yeah. it's, it's not, it's in the taste of a potato chip, but you're not filling a need for hunger. You are filling a need for entertainment at that point. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. And you feel that that's kind of the way with cosmetics as well. Have they gotten crazy where they're putting all these different uh, 
some things different are blends and things of that nature yeah i mean you have some some products are more based on it's fun entertainment based body care like maybe it's bath bombs you know those i definitely think are an entertainment mm-hmm. style uh personal care product uh when it when it comes to things like anti-aging products you have a whole bunch of really deep-rooted psychological stuff going on with those. Um, it plays on people's vanity, their need for a certain social status. Um, with women especially, women fear getting old generally because in our culture, when a woman gets old, she's obsolete. And so, of course, there's then a, a real struggle to not show age because it just age inherently means that you're not worth anything anymore and so I do try to spend some time flipping those perceptions because companies are really able to push those buttons as well there's this whole like sprinkle it with fairy dust like the more you know there's diamonds in this cream you know that kind of thing (laughs) or pearl dust and it doesn't matter if it actually does something for your skin people think it's luxurious or or they buy it because it's a personality thing so um they think oh well i'm the sort of girl that likes diamonds and pearls i'm totally gonna buy that that's for me and so it becomes more of an emotional purchase say um like it's it's like an extension of your personality rather than something that's supposed to chemically do something mm-hmm. for you and i mean honestly that's good marketing because that's if people if that's their value system mm-hmm. looking at that oh i want diamonds i want pearls i want to be luxurious instead of being you know this is more uh like when we talked the holistic approach or this is you know this is something that puts me more in touch with the earth mm-hmm. puts me more in touch with my spirit so it's, it's almost yeah, it's a different value yeah, system. yeah it's almost like looking at that and i'm seeing some shifts you know there's a little bit of a paradigm shift and and a lot of people I will talk to and a lot of conversations on, on this on this podcast kind of go into the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And I'm still kinda of have like one foot in here in this in this capitalistic world, which is not which is not bad, but then, you know, trying to get it's like you said, trying to find that balance. Mm-hmm. So where yeah, I'm in touch with those that higher power and those things that are more meaningful, but I'm also, you know, doing what I can to kind of I guess have my place in society. I don't know. I don't have the right words right now, but working with existing systems to benefit, you know, people, you know, bring them wisdom, bring them change. Like that's what I try to do is, as embody a more conscious version of capitalism, Um, you know, use a system that they recognize and know to offer a different way of being and a different set of ideas. And, Um, It is a little counterintuitive in the sense that, like, you know, uh, people who are afraid, people who are insecure are technically better consumers. They buy more because they feel that emptiness or that lack inside of themselves that they want to try and fill. Uh, I try to counteract that. I try and fill, you know, like, let them know they are full. They are worth something inherently. You know, they don't need a bunch of stuff to fix them they are okay the way they are and then the stuff is just like this nice addition to the inherent value that they have um but i really feel like that's a better service to people and i think that it attracts and keeps the right kind of people to me so it still makes business sense it's just a slower climb um 
I couldn't live with myself personally if I was, you know, playing on those same fears and knowing that people were going home unhappy with themselves. And that's, that's not where I'm at at all. So I try to work against that if I can. So Julia was just speaking about people, you know, people knowing that they're full, being worth something, um, and that things that we own or the stuff that we use is just a nice additional value. And when we have that good, you know, when we're full, you know, we do better work. We, we go to work better. We, you know, our customer service is better. And, you know, when we look at that, you know, that's something that, that Mark Holland, he's someone that's confident in what he does. He's, you know, someone that's living life to its fullest. And that comes across. And when you talk to Dr. Holland, you can feel his energy, his passion for what he does and helping people. And that's just what he's all about. Whether it be just regular adjustments, whether it be uh, an accident, maybe you've fallen, whether it be a car accident, you don't know how to handle it. He can give you the advice that you need to uh, help you better deal with your health care, better deal with any settlements. I mean, he's an expert in uh, in that field. And then uh, his colleagues, you know, I've been going there for years. Um you know, feel a little creak in my, my back, or I talked about my shoulder being a little tight. I'll go there, I'll get a massage, I'll get an adjustment, maybe a shoulder alignment. Sitting too much in a chair, uh, you know, I try to keep good posture, but a lot of times I'm I'm crouching forward. You know, if I'm not if I'm not participating in yoga or, you know, doing my back exercises with Ola, then um, yeah, then I'm just not keeping my core strong and it's just bad habits when we're sitting behind a desk all the time. So that's something Dr. Mark Holland can talk to you about, or any of his colleagues at uh, whether it be First Capital Chiropractic or the other offices in his personal network. So check out the show description for links, or you can find him at mystlouischiropractor.com. Also, when we talk about being full, you know, knowing who we are, just you know, good things about life and fulfillment. Ben Sturgill, his music is, that's what he's wanting to put out there. You know, a positive message, something that really just very spiritual that brings us up. And, you know, it's important to be spiritual. It's it's very important to be connected to the higher power and to realize the higher power that is within us and how we are all connected to one another and we're connected to this energy, you know, the universe, God, just all that great stuff. And looking at that, you know, we listen to Ben's music. And when I listen to Ben's music, you know, I feel a spiritual uplift. And I call it mindful music. You know, I get something out of that where it definitely lifts me up. It definitely gets me thinking at times. It definitely gets me feeling at times. So I want you to experience that as well. And you can find Ben on iTunes. You can uh, you can find him at bensturgill.com. Hopefully he'll be uh, doing some touring soon. But right now he's really focused on creating new music for everyone and uh he's been i just spoke with him the other day and uh he's been down in augusta georgia working with his brother on an album um you know spiritual music uh you know his brother works at a church down in augusta so he's just really tapping into that and using his talents to you know help out his big brother and put out his message so ben great guy music producer so if you need some production then, uh, you know, you can get a hold of him as well and, help, you know, he'll help you out with that. So Ben Sturgill, bensturgill.com. Now we'll get back to Julie and we'll talk to her about how she goes about testing her products to make sure that they are safe and that they're uh, good for the consumer. So when we talk about testing, 
you know, what are some ways to to test? Because I know one thing on your site is that that there's no animal testing. Mm-hmm. And what? How are some ways? I mean, is, is it a plant type situation? What What are ways to know to get this data, to know that a product is safe and healthy? Uh, well, I mean, some things there are already studies out there. You know, if you're working with a lot of different plant-based ingredients, many of those have been in herbalism for centuries already. So we already have quite a bit of experiential data. And then a lot of them are being tested in, you know, maybe a university study setting or a commission study by a company where um, you you can go and look it up on Google, just like Scholar database or PubMed or something like that, you know, find out about the antioxidant flavonoids in a, in a certain plant. Um, there's also toxicity data available for most plants that have been used in a medicinal herbal capacity. So those are a pretty easy given sort of thing. You don't really have to do a lot of extra research on those. And then there are some pretty basic compounds in terms of like emulsifiers and Um, There are some botanically based preservatives now, and those, again, are coming from a situation where that plant has been around us for a long time, and it's not really something new to our experience. So the safety information is already known. It's really new chemistry that is a potential risk. All right. So so products that you put out that have are tried and true with the ingredients that mm-hmm. so so that's something one can trust mm-hmm. and then versus now like just the different chemical compounds and not knowing how those compounds mm-hmm. react to one another mm-hmm. and it seems like th- that's kind of the trend to all right let's come up with this new one let's have our own our own particular recipe versus all right well everybody else is using what what you're using so some essential oils in there some different you know hemp well, that's kind of tried and true but mm-hmm. something that's new once it's you know as regulations change but okay gotcha you know so I have a, i'm learning a lot as far as you know cosmetics and skin care and things of that nature i mean i had a good understanding but there's other areas that mm-hmm. just like i don't know i don't use these products yeah uh, when we're developing a new recipe i i'm the first guinea pig and um so like I test all the initial versions of the product on myself. I have relatively sensitive skin, mm-hmm. so if it's not freaking my skin out, you know, we're on the right track. And uh I then give it to, you know, friends and family to test so they get to um experience it and we may tweak it after that. But a lot of the ingredients that we're doing are also food-based, like you could, you know, drink them as a tea or um, you know, put nori seaweed flakes in your soup and eat that for the beneficial um, minerals and you know other compounds that are coming with that or ribose tea you know people drink that as a beverage every day so um, so yeah there's really no safety concerns our goal in formulation is actually almost more concentrating on how can we get the most effect out of the medicinal compounds in each thing so how do we extract it properly how do we handle it properly so that the best concentrations of the most valuable compounds in there end up in our products and that's I think a level of care that a lot of companies don't necessarily provide either like Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like well just you know do it however and so that we can have a label claim or they don't necessarily 
look at what concentration level do we need to make sure that we're getting an effect out of it and it's kind of just like it's more for marketing than anything else and for me the attention paid is like okay is this compound water soluble is it oil soluble is it alcohol soluble is it damaged by heat you know what type of process do we need to build Mm -hmm. to create something that's going to have that so that it's going to affect people and then does it degrade in the formulation you know do we need to make this a waterless product Mm -hmm. in order for that compound to be most active when somebody receives it uh so yeah so it's like less chemistry from the the fact of like industrial chemistry and more of like the the cooking type elements so Mm -hmm. like the the how foods interact right i'm not so much building molecules i'm building a recipe and you know looking for the optimal way to craft that artfully and sensibly yeah yeah this is like with tincture so alan carter a, a past guest and good friend just the different compounds or not maybe not compounds but the ingredients that he puts into a tincture mm-hmm. so one of them is his three amigos which it's like habanero i don't know if he puts ghost pepper in that but it's jalapeno it's three peppers that really you know heat up your you know get your body heated up and that would be, so it yeah. starts burning things so yeah that's <laughs> that's one of his signature tinctures or, or like another one he gave me a recipe for a, a tincture with beets mm-hmm. so it's it's like you know what's your instead of your five-hour energy drink you know, you have beets, which are good for energy and getting the blood flowing, and ginger, and there's some habanero in there. It seems like every recipe he has <laughs> he is, likes peppers a lot. Is like pepper based, <laughs> yeah. And so, so it's the combination of those things, or like garlic and and this, that, and the other. How that'll work with a cold, mm-hmm. and just looking at that. So it's interesting recipes. So that's that's just a, a point that I think is really cool for people to look at that that don't know a lot about this and that may want to learn more or kind of get into it or know more about your products now do you i mean you garden as well do you put any um do you put any of your what you grow in in any of your products or is it the scale is just not possible uh right yeah the scale is just not possible and then um as well most of the ingredients that we're using for our product line are certified organic and my garden space is not sure carrying any once you clone yourself and you can get that organic right. garden i have been waiting for one of those for <laughs> years someone tell me how to get one um but yeah i love gardening and i think in the long run it could be really fun to have a little collection of maybe locavore products that are that are made with ingredients that are just locally grown regardless of you know that have a good story behind them regardless of if they are carrying that organic certification but since we are an internationally sold brand it really helps to be able to tell people that we have that it just increases the trust factor and and our goal is to get certified as an organic handler um so that you know people know that i mean our clients know that integrity is maintained at our facility right now but again the more paperwork the better in terms of trust because again people's trust has been broken so many times that we want to be up on on the up and up and making sure that people really truly do feel they can trust us that's good trust is so important uh and then looking at that you've also speaking of i guess trust and integrity and as well as you know looking at what you do with the community as well you've done some things where you've donated money or a percentage of sales Mm -hmm. you know how is that why is that important for one to interact 
with both their local community and then sometimes international organizations that that just are helpful to people uh well we like i mean we like staying involved i find that the business itself is really the most socially active thing that we do i mean there have been moments where i've questioned you know whether being a for for profit in quotes business was mm-hmm. right for us because so often we're reinvesting the capital that comes in either i mean we are still growing but i also spend a lot of time on initiatives that are not necessarily the most profitable thing i could be doing a lot of the educational programming mm-hmm. that we put on we do classes and the you know class cost is not high i do it really just to get people there to share information and try to empower them so um, the amount of time that those take to put on is not necessarily, and I, I can't be working on something that is making a profit then. So it, it divides me a little bit. So the business itself is the most socially active thing that we do, you know, making sure that as many components of how the business functions um, are sustainable, are ethical, um, are not hurting anybody. And that's something that I think that more more businesses could be better about. Because the model of like, oh, you make a bunch of profit and then you donate a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I don't know that those things like that the donation necessarily offsets it. Say your your main business is making a ton of money, but it's also polluting a bunch. And then, you know, you, you donate to an environmental cause. Wouldn't it be better if you just operated sustainably from the get-go and then you don't need to clean it all up because you were clean to start with. Well, it's almost like it's a PR move. Yeah. So that money is just a PR PR thing. Like, oh, we're doing good for the environment and we do this and we support Greenpeace and this, you know, the Sierra Club and all that. Right. When really it's like, but we just dumped, (laughs) you know, 10 10 million gallons of (laughs) such and such chemical into, you know, this river. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you won't see that in their PR releases. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of... uh, Oh, yeah. So I believe in operating as sustainably as possible just to start with. But then we also do try and partner with local nonprofits and, you know, assist them as as we can. Um, We've definitely done a number of things with Earth Dance. They're a local organic farming apprenticeship program. Yeah, it's such a great organization. Mm -hmm. We're working on buying more herbs from them over the long haul. So this last year we, we bought a crop of comfrey leaves from them and um, for the first time we're able to you know dry those from fresh leaves and so I'm looking forward to them hopefully growing more things for us and then we also did a little donation this last December to the House Rabbit Society of Missouri which we became rabbit adopters this last fall um, as part of our communications efforts to help people connect with um, why they should go cruelty-free and um, you know, support products that are not animal tested. And so we adopted a rescue rabbit and her name's Blossom. And so one of the things that we did in December to kind of highlight that initiative was to donate a portion of the trial skincare sets that we sold to the Rabbit Society. And then also we had a little thing if people took a photo in the photo booth with Blossom and posted on social media, then we would make a donation for that. Just kind of trying to get people to share the concept and help educate each other on, you know, why reducing animal cruelty is of benefit. Cool. And any uh, any celebrity endorsements or anything like that of your product at the, to this date? 
Uh, well, so Carice Van Houten from Game of Thrones, uh, people might know her as the Melisandre character, has been using our products for the last couple of years through our distributor in the Netherlands. And I haven't gotten to meet her personally. We've emailed once or twice, uh, but evidently she used our products all through her pregnancy and uh, as, was just doing really well with things. She was having skin problems with a lot of the products that she was being sent. And she was being sent like all kinds of stuff, you know, from press agencies and because everybody wants of to, course. Be able to say that yeah. somebody like that is using their stuff and her skin was just not happy with most of it and she went to Danny Diop uh, for a consultation he does a lot of individual consultations with um, clients like her and he set her up with our skincare line and it's been working well for her so we're we're grateful for that and there was at least one other cast member from the show that ended up ordering from us as well we don't have more of an official relationship with her so i don't i don't feel i don't know that i should bring up her name but um, you have to work on that yeah make it make make it official (laughs) sometimes you get control over those things sure and sometimes not so. But that's right. The fact that you know that people are using it and yeah. and are really enjoying it and it's giving them good benefits, that, that there's some satisfaction in that, definitely. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to all be, be about the PR and the marketing. Yeah. I'm, so. When we hear, we've definitely heard about people throwing away their $300, you know, department store cream in exchange for our product because it's working much better and it's not nearly as expensive, so... Um, we believe in pricing fairly and making it as affordable for people as possible. We're really making luxury grade products, but selling them at a much more affordable price so that people, more people can access healthy products and really get good results. Because I just don't feel like it should be something that's only for wealthy people. Um, I've always felt like healthy products should be accessible to everyone. It's essential. We all deserve to have um, a clean, unburdened life. We all deserve to have good skin, you know, to feel confident about ourselves. And so I do my best to try and make that accessible to people. Very cool. And then talk, talking about the community, I mean, you're in historic Hyde Park in St. Louis. That's where I live. Yes. So that's an area uh, in, in the, but where the business is in the so same moved, area. Yeah. We moved the shop. We used to be located. So the, the production studio for about eight years was located in my house. Okay. That's right. And that was a great low cost way for us to operate. It's a big old building and I bought it specifically with the purpose of the idea of running the business out of the first floor and basement. And then I lived on the second floor and when the economy crashed in 2007, I mean, thank goodness we had such cheap space because if, if we had had any greater expenses than we did, it would have probably been the end of us. And a lot of businesses did fail during that time period, but we were able to kind of buckle down and make it through. And um, it certainly was fantastic having such low overhead for a long time. And I love the neighborhood, but this last year um, basically like a year ago we opened in a new store location that is on flower row um lasalle street because you were there for the opening that's right so yeah you know where that I'm is get my yeah yeah should know more about the geography you know the different <laughs> so many neighborhoods and yeah, st. municipalities in st louis that it kind of throws me off so okay so yeah so the so flower the flower area uh-huh yeah so that's that's Which where we're located beautiful now. yeah that shop is you've done amazing work there thanks i appreciate yeah, it, it, it was a long five months renovating mm-hmm. the building and but you know when you're again an independent entrepreneur you do a lot of stuff yourself so 
but we made it through and it's a very nice space we love it i'm fortunate to have it i mean thank goodness i had all the rehab skills that i did from owning an old building because that's literally what helped me get through that construction process i probably would have made a lot more mistakes um so you made the you made the mistakes the first time i made the mistakes on my house (laughs) and then like you know when i did the commercial building i actually i knew what order to plan things in i knew what you know kind of time was going to need to be allotted for certain things and there really was no time to waste there was no room for error um because when you're facing a you know commercial lease and like we had six months negotiated to do the renovations and then the rent would increase to the normal level and when you're on a timeline like that you can't afford to not be open by a certain date like when it's just your house who cares like if if a room doesn't go well you can like shutter it for a year and not think about it for a while and then come back to it later the situation no like it was do or die and so um having that experience I knew how to plan things. I knew what to expect. I knew what it was going to take out of me. And that's why I was able to make it through the process. Yeah, I have to I have to be better at making mistakes because it was I've always been a bit of a perfectionist. And it's and I'm teaching my niece and nephew that mistakes are learning experiences. And and yeah, I embrace that. And because uh, I was always yeah, I, I wouldn't try things yeah. because it was like, oh, I want this to be like this or I picture it in my mind a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so then I wouldn't do it because yeah. I didn't like, oh, I can't get to that level. But if I would have stumbled a little along the way and then, yeah, maybe I'd have those skills now. So, well, we teach what we need to learn. right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's time. <laughs> there's time. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere anywhere soon that I, pl- I plan. Uh, I, mean, I think we've covered. Uh, I mean, it's amazing the product that you have just the the risk you're taking because it's not always easy to do something that is better for people or better for the world or the community so i mean my hat's off to you for that it's uh it's pretty amazing to have the courage to do that i mean it's just just, i I think more people are starting to do but i I think uh, you know i can say for people that i know you're a pioneer in that in that arena thanks i think sustainable business is definitely the wave of the future it was not the wave of the past you know when i started over a decade ago uh people were not in that mindset and it was a little harder to express why do certain things a certain way but i think that that things are moving that direction and that we're seeing how unsustainable you know the rest of the ways of operating can be and that it's not healthy and that it's you know we, we want a better future, I think, yeah. from that. So I think that, that that's what you're going to see more of. And hopefully those of us that are here already will we'll get to see that happen because realistically, I mean, we just want want something better for everybody. Definitely. And then they can people can get classes. They can go to your website and find out about the classes to learn more about this, about how these products help mm-hmm. you, about what to, what to try, what not to try, skin types, all that. Yep. Where's the, how's the best way to reach you? Uh, so our website is www.blissoma.com. Our phone number is 314-771-5006. We're there during the days, Monday through Friday and 10 to 4 on Saturday. And then, um, they're, yeah, they're welcome to go to our Facebook page. Um, we're doing all of our event listings on our Facebook page right now. Um, so it's Blissoma Holistic Skincare on Facebook. We do have an Instagram account. Um, the ID for that is Blissoma Skin. And there's a Twitter account, but we're on Twitter a little less than mm-hmm. we are on Instagram. 
So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to keep up with us. They can join our email list. We send out uh, specials and little bits of education. I try and make an entertaining read for people. Um, I like to write. So that's one of the areas cool. where I, I have fun communicating with clients Definitely. that way. And then also through the uh, through the network of, of estheticians out there and people that use your product, I know there's a big list on your website, mm-hmm. just uh, different places. So people can essentially go to some of those people if they're not in this area and can't go to your location, but find mm-hmm. other people that have that knowledge that can help them understand these products better Mm -hmm. so there's a good list of resources there as well yeah and they're always welcome to mention us too they're you know if their esthetician isn't using us yet they're welcome to say hey i would love it if you use this line so that's always a great way to to make an introduction fantastic yeah so you're you know everyone listening you're hearing it and uh check out the product try it and see if it works for you and uh, see if it works for your particular skin type any any parting words just for you know, uh, an entrepreneur just looking to set up for um, for a female business owner, for, you know, just people in life on looking at these changes and maybe just saying like, oh, yeah, there's just no hope because, you know, big business just has so much power. Any, you know, just words of wisdom that you can share? Oh, man, that's like so many things. I know. I just threw a bad, yeah. I just opened a can of <laughs> that's worms. That's like a whole nother half hour at yeah. least of stuff. But OK, so for female business owners, I would just briefly say work with other women because a lot of the time the guys just don't get, you know, sometimes the way that we work or um, what we're trying to do. And in my industry in particular, um, I've, you know, at times pitched uh you know trying to get like investment or advice or whatever and i think a lot of guys don't understand why my business is important to women in particular um you know that the focus on appearance like why they would care about different ingredients like the they just don't have a gut understanding <laughs> of it and but women always do and so I really like working with women from a cooperative standpoint as well, because I I think there is uh, more of an interest in lifting each other up. I don't feel it's very competitive, but that could just be the women I'm attracting to. Sure. Um, And that's definitely the way that I work. I'm not a competitive person. Uh I don't look to take other people down. I look to lift other people up. So I like doing that with other women. I think they understand that way of working, at least the ones that I work with. And um, man, in terms of entrepreneurship, you got to be darn stubborn. Really, (laughs) really, really stubborn. Um, And also be willing to just like when a door gets closed in your face, you know, there's another one open somewhere. You you know, you you wait for that next idea. You just have that almost idiotic confidence that you're going to get around it. And um, a lot of people would have turned back at a lot of stages of what I'm doing. A lot of people would have stopped by now um but i've just been unwilling to accept it not working out and i mean that it could be a different story for somebody else you know maybe their family situation would be different or maybe they would have you know they just feel like they want more time you know to do other things for me i always felt like i wanted to keep going like there was just there was enough there that i wanted to keep going so if you want to make it you're going to have to be really really stubborn and just keep the confidence I think is really important too. you you have to carry that confidence forward and um, not let anybody 
tear you down. You have to be willing to accept advice and, and knowledge from other people and, and use that wisdom, but at the same time, not have it shake you. Yeah, don't be so sensitive to any any uh, constructive criticism because it's not about you as being a bad person or this and that. Yeah, don't or internalize not, it. But, um, but something that because that person wants to see you have success and elevate your business and kind of learn from their mistakes. Also, they may not, you know, understand your business. Yeah, so true. like, you know, some advice you'll get may not apply to you. And you have to know, you know, for you, you have to be really strong in your own truth, your own vision, your knowledge of your market space, because they may just not have that unique angle on things that you do. Um, you New ideas are always... Uh, given some tests, you know, like people will always test it and be like, I don't know about that. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that's the wrong idea. And you'll get a lot of negative feedback. But if you really believe in it and you see a space for it, that vision is going to be what carries you forward. And you just have to be willing to push for it. Um, And and the market will kind of tell you if it's ready for it or not as, as you debut it. Because, you know, even if an investor tells you no or your parents tell you no or your spouse tells you no, there are still probably people out there that feel the way that you do and would like to see it happen. So your ability to bring something forward a lot depends on your willingness to just really keep at it and find those people that do want to work with you or that do need your services. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're confident of that need, then keep at it. Very cool. And one last question, I know, because I did the whole rapid fire thing, but, uh, and you did, <laughs> you did great with it. But do you feel that, I mean, because it's, I don't know if the struggle is the right word, but it is a struggle to build a business over 10 years and to, you know, constant ups and downs. Do you feel that that experience has been, has been worth it versus working for a company that may not have the integrity or the vision that you have? Do you feel that, um, you know, once it's all said and done, that uh, it's a worthwhile experience, even if it doesn't maybe hit the expectations that you had when you first started? I think that the definition of success needs to be flexible. You know, you have to be able to uh, take a look at things from a different perspective sometimes and not base it all on like, oh, how much money did I make this month? If that's all you look at, then there might be days where you're like, I am a total failure. Um, but if you redefine success in terms of impact, in terms of lives changed, in terms of information spread, I think that our culture really needs to redefine the idea of success. What is success to you personally? You know, what does it look like? And and what does it look like to a business? You know, a business does not have to be only about making money. A business is about providing services. It's about changing lives. Um, and it's about making money. So you can hit success on a lot of different levels. You just have to keep your mind open to that. Um, in terms of like worthwhile, uh, there's a particular lyric from a, a Jason Mraz song that says, um, you don't need a vacation when there's nothing to escape from. And for me, my business is my lifestyle. And yeah, there are times when the work gets to be a bit much. And, you know, I do have to like cool it at some moments and be like, okay, I need two days off here. And, you know, but I I don't take actual vacations most of the time. I don't have time to. I have to keep my eye on the projects that I'm working on. I have to keep things moving forward. But at the same time, I get up every day and I'm excited about what I do. And... Um, 
I can't imagine, like for me, it would be torture to go to some jobs because I would feel like there's no growth potential or um, I'm not getting any challenges or I can't make this idea that I have in my head happen. I'm con- but I have all those capabilities at the job that I'm currently in. I mean, technically it's limitless. Like I can decide what I want to do, when I want to do it. I make my schedule. And yes, I have also the most demands placed on me. I bear a lot of responsibility for people. There are moments that that's hard for me, but the work itself is nourishing. And I wish more people got to have that kind of relationship with their work because I think that the idea of work has gotten so like twisted to a point where a lot of people dread work. And I don't feel like it has to be that way. Um, When you find something that you really enjoy doing, I mean, why would you want to sit around and do nothing all day? You know, get up and make something or I I don't even understand why people would want to just like hang around. What is retirement? I don't think I'm ever going to retire. Um, I'll just have a different project to be working on. So very cool. Yeah, I like very that purpose. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I've learned a lot and it's so inspirational to it. I mean, those parting words were wonderful. It really puts things into perspective. So I hope that uh, the listeners get gain that as well, which I think they will. So I just, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us here today. Oh, you're so welcome. So if you have a chance to get it right, even when around it seems so right, walk into the light. What goes around is gonna come right back. What goes around gonna come right back to you what goes around is gonna come right back to you what goes